talking about a pretty alarming story that's taken place in a northwest neighborhood of Edmonton called Cumberland. This all has taken place in April. Uh, police investing a series of seven incidents uh, taking place over the course of about three weeks between April 2nd to April 30th. These ins- these assaults involve a male believed to be in his mid-20s committing various crimes ranging from assaults and more recently sexual assaults. Uh, so we're going to get some perspective right now with the CEO of the Sexual Assault Center of Edmonton. Why wasn't the public informed of this threat earlier? Mary Jane James is joining the show. Mary Jane, thanks so much for making the time. Always good to check in with you. Absolutely, Chelsea. My pleasure. Uh, yeah, it's quite a story. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And and I'm, I'm wondering what your initial reaction was hearing of a story like this. Well, you know, I think the first thing I want to point out to your listening audience is that these these violent sexual assaults certainly do happen and they are very valid and they're very scary for you know for people who who have been impacted but i need to emphasize that these incidents happen far less often than people tend to think so we all want to believe that sexual violence is these creepy guys in black hoodies jumping out from somewhere and assaulting people and, and it happens and it's horrible but the vast majority of sexual assaults take place uh, at the hands of someone the victim knows in some way. So putting that aside, that does not negate these ex- the experiences of these seven women and how um, you know severely they were they, they were impacted. And 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 we should you know we should care about that, and we and we should emphasize how important it is that uh, you know we we do try to be safe, as the police have have warned us to do. That's that's certainly not something that I would. Whatever advise against. Sure. However, I, I need to also emphasize that when we download uh, the responsibility for one's own safety onto the victim, it becomes a form of victim blaming. So if the police advised earlier, say, be careful, don't walk alone, don't, you know, be always aware of your surroundings. And, and let's say that someone wasn't as careful as the police or we as a community would expect them to be then what what in fact we're doing is blaming the victim ah. for something over which they had no control. So I want to emphasize that these seven women uh, were, were impacted at, at a level that none of us can experience or understand unless we have experienced it. So, so let's put that there, and, and I hope that they know that SACE and, and the other sexual assault centers surrounding, surrounding our city are, you know, are there for them. I know the community feels anxious, as they should. I would be too if I lived in that community, but I think it's, it's, it's really important to, to remember that, um, you know, we, we need to responsabilize the person who caused the harm, not responsabilize the victim who was impacted. So, um, you know, the victim is just never, ever to blame. Yeah. And it's great to get your perspective because, you know, having dealt with so many different instances and, and so many, um, you know, various forms of sexual assault and abuse and domestic abuse and violence, I think you can really, you can offer a lot of perspective for people. And it's interesting to me that you say that, uh, you know, if we had maybe warned the public, we have to be really careful around these stories because you certainly don't want to ever victim blame or victim shame. I, I 
I appreciate that opinion because my knee-jerk reaction was, why weren't we warned? We could have limited the the possibility for this person to to make these attacks. Uh, but maybe that does put too much of an onus on people having to change their own personal behavior. I mean, these assaults took place between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. So, mm-hmm. you know, a, a very, I think, strange time of day. What does that even suggest to you? <laughs> I wish I knew. My goodness, I wish I knew why people sexually assaulted people in the first place. But, you know, let's just place that over there for now and and understand that the rarity of this type of that event does not, however, discount how terrible and horrifying it is. Mm-hmm. And it's completely valid that the folks in those that neighborhood would be feeling worried for their own safety and the safety of their loved ones. But the police have to piece together a crime that is, you know, scattered over 28 days. And it was only recently, in my, as I understand it, that they began to piece the assaults together because it started out as, as an assault. And then, it's, and then they got, the assaults got more serious in nature to the point where at least one or two sexual assaults were committed. Horrible awful. I also wanted to point out, and I don't like to usurp you, uh, Chelsea and Chad, because you are the news source over from which all of us get our news, at least I do, but I had someone send me a tweet that the police have arrested someone just this afternoon. Were you aware of that? No, I wasn't aware of that development. No. Okay, well, it it seems to be a a very valid tweet. He's 26 years old. He is exactly the type of demographic that the police described in their release. White, uh, short hair, uh, whatever. So if it's true, and and please, uh, you're taking this from me, not from, you know, uh, the reliable source where I'm sure you get this type of news, but... If that's the case, then the police did their job. They, mm-hmm. I, I think that there's disappointment, and I understand it. If I was a parent or a person living in that neighborhood, I'd be like, what the heck? Why weren't we warned about this? Right. But it's a really fine balance between horrifying and scaring the daylights out of, out of, out of people who live there and trying to piece together, uh, you know, a case where, you know, they can successfully get that person without, you know, bleeping out to the to to the city that we're on it, we're, we're on to it, you know. Yeah. It, it, it's hard. It's really hard. But what we never want to do is blame the victim for. What I, you know, it wouldn't matter to me if that was walking along the path at midnight. The the person does not deserve to be sexual sexually assaulted or assaulted at all. Does that mean that we can't and shouldn't be responsible for our own behavior and our own safety? Absolutely not. We all have a responsibility for that. But when it happens in any event, we need to place the blame exactly where it should be placed, and that's at the feet of the perpetrator traitor, not the victim. Yeah, and I hope that that person has been arrested. It might just be that our news team is looking to verify uh, that information Probably. before officially <laughs> reporting it, but I hope that that is, in fact, the case because, you know, I, I think in a situation like this, you want some form of an answer. You want to have some form of a why, and I don't know that in stories like this we ever really get that satisfying answer as to why, do we? 
we don't get the why and and that's and that's the problem and that's you know to protect the rights of, of the accused and all the legal stuff that goes around that but what i can say to you is that it is very likely that uh, at least some of those victims will be reaching out to SACE for the support and help that they need and deserve to overcome the trauma that's been uh, thrust upon them and we still have an 18 month wait list and I, I you want know, to talk about that a little bit more with you, Mary Jane, about the work that your incredible organization does for you know victims in a situation like this or in, in in various other forms that it takes place in here in our community. It's so prevalent. I know there's a big ask to get funding and resources, uh, and I want to get some details and some clarity on what's happening, if there's any push to move that needle forward. But we do just have to take a very short break. We'll be right back coming into this conversation with the CEO of the Sexual Assault Centre of Edmonton, Mary Jane James. Chelsea on Ted returns in three minutes. Talking about a series of seven incidents that took place in a northwest neighborhood called Cumberland in Edmonton in April. Uh, we're talking about how an organization like the Sexual Assault Center of Edmonton uh, can really help with victims in situations like this or other situations that are far too prevalent in our community. Our guest is the CEO of the Sexual Assault Center of Edmonton, Mary Jane James. Uh, Mary Jane, thanks so much for sticking around on hold. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure, absolutely. So we were talking about how uh, your organization can can serve victims of these crimes and several others in our community, but uh, you have still an 18-month wait list. I know there was a big ask to get some more for provincial funding. Where do things stand now? Well, you know, we had we had a back and forth with the GOA, you know, in, in April and, and late March. And we did come away with uh, an agreement that they were going to give the province, the province, you know, the sexual assault centers across the province, there's 15 of them, 4.2 million as a one-time funding agreement to address and reduce the wait lists across the province, of which the wait list in the Edmonton Sexual Assault Centre is by far the greatest at this point. That can change, you know, depends on what what is happening in what community. And, and we all have our have our pain points. But um, so we received, I may as well say it because it was public, 1.8-ish million to, uh, to address and reduce this massive wait list in a year, if possible, which, of course, I've, I've explained to them that that's near impossible, but we're going to do everything within our power to do it, which includes, of course, hiring a whole bunch of people, increasing our own internal capacity, um, extending our hours, working on Fridays and Saturday nights, all everything we can do to get people in the door. It's going to take some time. This is a long game. This is not a short game. We have no idea when, when a person calls our crisis line or our intake office what kind of support they're going to need and for how long. I mean, we we average about 15 to 20 sessions per person. Sometimes that person has been so traumatized and so victimized, they need much more than that. Sometimes they might need less, although that's rare. So, you know, we do not churn these people out who have been victimized like little ants and, and mice. They're, they're people. And so... 
we take it very, very seriously. And we are, um, yeah, we're, we're just being bombarded, Chelsea. I, I don't know what it is because we're working equally as hard on the prevention side. We have educators out in our community and our schools every single hour of every single day. But somehow the message is still not getting through. And these people, their sexual assault reports are up in Edmonton. And we only hear about the ones who report to the police because knowing that only mm-hmm. five to eight percent ever report at all. So we five really to 8%. don't know ever report to police at all and there's many reasons for that but it starts with what we just chatted about feeling feeling guilty feeling blamed feeling responsible feeling like they wouldn't be believed all of those things come into play so they just they they harbor it they might tell a friend they might tell a relative but ultimately they they will probably end up at our office or in another sexual assault center I mean, I, I can't help but shake my head at the amount of work that you have to do with with $1.8 million. And you're talking about extending your hours, dealing with the emotional toll of some of these situations on your staff and the, the resources that you do have already. It's just, it's not it's not nearly enough. Um, I can't thank you enough for painting a clear picture of, of what's going on and shedding some insight on, on this story here in Cumberland in Edmonton. Uh, Mary Jane, always really appreciate your time. Could I just add one more tiny thing? I promise yeah. I'll be quick. Always. Both the, I think that we as a community need to rally around our, our, each other and our community and speak to our MLAs when they knock on our doors about sexual violence and domestic violence and what an issue it is that's tearing our communities apart and that in their election platforms, there needs to be committed ongoing organizational funding to support these victims who are nameless, faceless people, but they're also people and they do vote. So please, if you're out there listening to this, this should be an issue on the doorstep. The numbers are always shocking to me, Mary Jane. So just, yeah, I'll just give you a couple more seconds here because I think this is really important. Just remind us of the prevalence and the numbers here in Alberta. One in three girls, one in four boys, typically before their 18th birthday, but not always, particularly prevalent in the 18 to 24 demographic, most often committed by someone the victim knows, uh, a friend, a relative, a parent, uh, a teacher, a coach, uh, whoever. It's across the spectrum. There is not one demographic that is not impacted. This crosses every single demographic boundary, culture, race, sexuality, gender, it doesn't matter. There is no one who is safe from this issue. And I can't emphasize enough that when some, we, we pay it now or we pay it later, Chelsea. Mm. These, these, these victims deserve to be supported and they need to be supported. And I am confident because I have a big mouth and I am not going to shut up mm. that we will see some funding coming our ways, regardless of who uh, gets in power. But if it doesn't, well, I'll be calling Chelsea on chat. And I'll, I'll give you the airtime because I think it's it's incredibly important. I mean, that's that could be you listening. That could be someone that you know. I mean, these stories are ones that we are very familiar with, and we know that this needs so much more attention. Yeah. Mary Jane, well, thank you so much for doing such incredible work. Uh, i got to let you go. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you for your time. And, and- <laughs> Okay. Have a great night. Thanks so much. Bye. Mary Jane James is the CEO of the Sexual Assault Center of Edmonton.